produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. Welcome to Kind World. I'm Andrea Aswahe. And I'm Yasmin Amr. For the past few months, we've been asking listeners to share their stories of kindness with us, moments that have really made a difference in their lives. And today, we thought we'd share some of them. Our first voicemail comes from Megan Gunn in St. Louis, Missouri. Back in 2016, Megan was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. It's a chronic condition that causes inflammation in the digestive system, and it can make life really miserable for people who have it. Her doctor said hot yoga could help with the symptoms, so she got a job working at a local studio. And I worked really late nights because I was so new, so I had all the shifts that no one else wanted. Um, and Dale was this older man who came to clean the studio after the classes. So I started staying late after my shifts to talk to Dale because he's just endlessly fascinating. Um, and we got close enough that I eventually told him about my disease. Um, so he started doing this thing where he would bring juices that he concocted himself after reading all about Crohn's. Um, and so every night after work, we would share these like fresh ginger and turmeric drinks together. Um, and during such a hard time and like a very confusing time, honestly, in my life, um, where I was like relearning my body and health, um, Dale's small act of kindness meant everything to me. So I guess I just, I've been thinking about him a lot now during the pandemic because I just don't want to forget how the smallest things can mean the most in the hardest times. The smallest things can mean the most in the hardest of times. We hear that all of the time from our listeners. It's definitely the case for Robin Coomer. She called us from Illinois to share an act of kindness from her uncle, Bill. When Bill was stationed in Germany in the 1980s, Robin's parents would send him cassette tapes instead of handwritten letters. And after her mother died, Bill dug one up and sent it to Robin. The tape was a very significant date and time because it took place over when my mother was pregnant with me and then had me. So it was a very special token. When the doctor done my exam, he said he could fill the baby's head. All I need is to go into labor and have this child. Today's the 14th. Robin and I are home. She's got a dimple on her chin like Mike. She's got black hair like me. We'll send you a picture of her. She's a living doll. Um, it was just a real sweet gesture that, one, he still had that tape, and two, he was thinking of me in a, you know, still pretty weird time after my mother's passing. I love the idea of sending cassette tape letters. I mean, granted, that was a solution to a 1980s problem. We have so many more options for staying in touch these days. But there's still nothing quite like getting something you can hold in your hands from someone who cares about you. My family actually used to send cassette tape letters to each other when I was growing up. And that's how they communicated if someone was traveling for a long time. I wonder if I could dig any of them up and if I could play them even. And actually, our next voicemail also features something else that's a bit old school the handwritten check. This story comes to us from Jess Thompson in California, and it starts when a family friend convinced Jess's mom, who was raising four kids on her own, to contribute her life savings to start a business. I don't know how much she invested, but I think it was somewhere around $50,000, which was a lot for her. And then the man ended up um, leaving the country, just up and left. And um, he, it wasn't just my mom that was affected. There were many other people that he had stolen money from. And 
so then one day, my mum was really stressed. She thought she was going to lose the house and um, she didn't know what to do. She had four children. And then this man called Harry knocked on our door and he was one of the men that had also been affected by this man stealing his money. And he just basically gave my mum a blank check and said, do whatever, fill it out however you want and um, do whatever you need to do to keep your family happy and healthy and safe. And um, mum did. Mum put in, you know, uh, you know, whatever she needed to pay the mortgage on the house. And because of that man, I'm here today and we were able to keep a shelter over our heads. It's remarkable to me that instead of shutting down and focusing on his own losses, this man, Harry, decided to double down and help Jess and her family keep their home. After the break, we have another listener story for you about a woman who lost everything and a group of strangers who helped her get back on track. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Our last story comes to us from listener Kamala Mirza in Oregon. She told us about something that happened to her when she was 19 years old. About eight years ago, I was homeless. And there was one day in particular, I woke up near where I was camping and my sleeping bag was soaking wet. It had rained the night before. I just felt miserable. I only had about 10 cents on me and I saw a laundromat and so I decided to walk in there. I put my sleeping bag inside of the dryer and figured I could just get away with sitting there that no one would suspect anything. Uh, A woman came up to me and said, You know, I noticed that you didn't put any money in that. And I said, oh, to be honest, I just wanted to get out of the rain. And she gave me a loving look and pulled out a $20 bill and said, here you go, sweetheart. Get whatever you need to today. And I was overwhelmed with joy. I went next door, bought myself a cup of coffee and got some change. I came back and put quarters in the machine. And then every single person inside of that laundromat came up to me and gave me something just to help me get by. Kamala's voicemail got cut off pretty soon after this, but we just knew there had to be more to her story. So we called her back. And it turns out that even though she never saw any of these people again, this moment was a pretty major turning point for her. I didn't want to do this anymore. I remember feeling like that. Like, I just, I'm so tired of this. I'm tired of being cold at night. I didn't recognize myself in the mirror. I was ready to give up. And just all those people that came and helped me, it just changed my perspective on a lot of things. 
That morning at the laundromat, Kamala had already been homeless for three years, hitchhiking up and down the West Coast. At 16, Kamala left home. She'd been struggling with mental health issues and had also come out as queer to her family. She started off bouncing around on friends' couches, and that eventually turned into living on the street. And when Kamala tried to get out of homelessness, she always ran into obstacles. She didn't always have a place to shower. And when she'd apply to a job, employers would ask her for a permanent address. She says at the time, she felt a lot of shame, and that made it difficult to reach out. I feel, I feel like being homeless perpetuated this idea of, like, it is humiliating to ask for help. It's embarrassing. When you're that low, it's just a hard thing. Kamala didn't feel safe. She couldn't get a good night's sleep. So when she got up that early winter morning after lying half-frozen next to a freeway exit all night, she'd reached a breaking point. Then came that extraordinary moment at the laundromat. I started realizing, you know, it is okay to get help and to ask for help. We all need help sometimes. That same day, Kamala reached out to friends, and that started a chain reaction of kindness. Some helped her get back home to Salt Lake City, and others offered her a place to stay. She was able to enroll in therapy and eventually get back on her feet. It, it hasn't been easy, but I haven't been homeless since then. Like, I've been through divorce. I've been through a lot of other things since then, but I've never gone back to living on the streets. It's been eight years since that day. Now Kamala has a five-year-old daughter, a fiancé, and a much better relationship with her family. She also finished her first year of college with a 4.0 GPA, and she just got elected student body president. She's planning on becoming a therapist and helping patients work through trauma. I really love people, and I want to help them, you know, in their lives the way that I've been helped. I think everybody has a story. Everybody has value, you know. If you are or know a young person experiencing homelessness, you can call the National Runaway Safe Line for free at 1-800-RUNAWAY. That's 1-800-786-2929. We'll also have a link on our website, wbur.org slash kindworld. Hey, thanks for listening to Kind World this week. Our show is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station. Paul Vikas and Matt Reed do our sound design. Sophie Eisenberg is our WBUR fellow and helped us produce this episode. Catherine Brewer is our managing producer and editor. And Iris Adler is our executive producer. I'm reporter and producer Yasmin Amr. And I'm reporter and producer Andrea Aswahe. We'll be back with a new episode of Kind World next Tuesday. But on Friday, we'll have another classic Kind World episode in your feed, an extra dose of kindness to start your weekend off right. Take care. We'll see you next week.